Hi, listeners. I'm Elizabeth Case, and I'm your host for this episode of the Physics Central Podcast. Today, I'll take you behind the scenes of the Conference for Undergraduate Women in Physics. Full disclosure, I, too, am an undergraduate woman studying physics. My name is Kayla Bollinger. I'm Alex Anos. Uh, my name is Veronica Heinz. Uh, my name is Maisa Salama. Stanford I'm from San Mateo, and I study here at Berkeley, and, and I'm studying physics. And I study astrophysics and math. Last weekend, about a 1,000 women met at eight universities around the country to network, present research, and glean a little insight into life after the bachelor's degree. Since 2006, the conference has helped women discover the variety of opportunities available for young physicists, originally just inside academia, but now in industry and entirely outside research as well. I drove up with 15 other women from UCLA to attend the session at UC Berkeley, In total, about 170 attended the West Coast Conference, easily the highest concentration of undergraduate physics students I've been around, let alone women in physics. Now, it's pretty widely acknowledged that gender disparities persist across many science, technology, engineering, and math fields, but this is particularly evident in physics. While women make up more than half of the undergraduate university population, they earned only 19% of the physics degrees awarded in 2012. That number has essentially remained stable for the last 10 years, although in 2004, it broke 22%. The outlook post-graduation is similar. Women receive fewer scholarly science awards than expected given their numbers, conferences are often male-dominated, and studies show an unconscious preference for male job applicants, regardless of the employer's gender. Hence, there's a need for a conference for women in physics. But the emphasis of these conferences, said Pat Burkett, a Stanford astrophysics professor who chairs the organizing committee, is that they are undergraduates. One of the big goals of the conference is to um, show undergraduates, undergraduate physics majors, the breadth of opportunities for someone with a physics major. Here, maybe, is a place they'll find their futures. With a physics major, they can get a PhD, but they don't have to get a PhD. They can aspire to be a faculty member, but they can also aspire to be an engineer or a science writer or go into education or policy or solving some of you know, the major problems in the world related to energy, for example, and that physics is a great preparation for all of these things. Physics, she continues, shapes your brain in a certain way, turning adept critical thinkers ready to tackle the most difficult problems like the origin of our universe, or the composition of dark matter. Ideally, if more women stay in physics now, we'll have more role models for women in the future. Burkett hopes to reach a critical mass. When you're sitting in a classroom or something, and one in five is like you, that's a really low number, that you have to look like this me, and then there are four other people before I get to the next one. Whereas if you could get even up to a third, then at least there's only two other people before another one. You know? And big difference there. So... I think we're really below critical at 20%. In October 2013, Zara Hazari, a professor of teaching and learning at Florida International University, led a study that tested five hypotheses thought to encourage more women to pursue careers in the physical sciences. One, having single-sex classes. Two, having a female professor. Three, hearing from female guest speakers. Four, discussing the work of female physicists. And five, discussing the underrepresentation of women in physics. While the first four hypotheses had no significant effect, the paper found that the last item, simply talking about the gender disparity, had a significant positive influence on keeping women in the physical sciences. 
Conferences like these? They provide a place for women to see there are other women in the field, and a space that makes it easy to have that key conversation. At Berkeley, we did have that conversation, but not until well into the conference. After dinner on Saturday night, Katie Camden, a third-year graduate student at Berkeley, gave perhaps the most relevant and moving talk of the program, a statistical approach to understanding gender inequality in the physical sciences. And statistics, they make a poignant case when it comes to women in physics and the lack thereof. Camden began by describing the leaky pipeline. While first-year undergraduate physics classes are roughly 50-50 male-female, more than half of those women have dropped out by graduation. To repair the pipeline, scientists have worked to identify the cause of the leak. During her talk, Camden laid out the research, carefully referenced, that shows women are adversely affected by widespread, unconscious, internalized biases that stunt testing abilities, hinder hireability, and all in all, make it more difficult for women to accomplish what men can. Mentoring can help stem that leak, says Kathy Prestridge, the chair of the Committee for the Status of Women on Physics. Mentoring is very critical continuously along the pipeline, but especially at the places where, where we tend to lose women. So, you know, from undergraduate to graduate, and then from postdoc to going into a career. Pressure cited mentors in college as one of the primary reasons she attended graduate school. I ended up with a couple of professors who were just so helpful and supportive and really encouraging. They stuck with me through all of it and uh, encouraged me because I didn't have scientists in my family. And so I didn't really know about, you know, you could go to grad school and it would be paid for and that kind of thing, you know, that, you know, just the basic stuff like that. And so one of my professors was like, you should apply to UC San Diego and go there for graduate school. And, and like, I was like, okay. And, and kind of, so, but it was very instrumental because I was thinking, okay, well, I'm going to get my degree and like get a job. And so he really pushed me to continue in, in a research career. Stories like these were a theme throughout the weekend, with a number of lecturers citing both male and female mentors as paramount in their decision to continue on in physics. Whatever it takes, what it comes down to, says Burkett, is that limiting the number of women in physics hurts the entire industry. I think it's a problem for two reasons. It's a lost opportunity for the country, for the nation, to not take advantage of such a big sector of the population, half, and actually with college-educated people, more than half, in a time when we need people with these sorts of quantitative skills and ways of problem-solving. But happiness plays a big role as well. I think there are a lot of women, and I would put myself in this category, who are happiest doing physics. <laughs> and if I had missed that opportunity, I don't think I would be as happy person as I am. And so I want to make sure that the women who, for whom physics is a natural choice uh, have that opportunity. Well, thanks so much for listening. Hope you learned a little something about women in physics. If you're interested in learning more about these conferences, head to APS.org slash programs slash women slash workshops slash CUWIP.CFM. And if you're part of an institution interested in hosting a conference, the organizing committee is accepting applications until February 15th.